Artcentric Podcast with Rafi and Klee. Hola, you amazing artist. It's Rafi and Klee. And today we're going to talk about lies. The, the lies that artists tell themselves. Lies. Yeah, this is going to be a fun podcast. Basically what we're going to do is we have a list compiled here of different lies that we've told ourselves, uh, Klee and I, over the years. And obviously we don't have all of them. They're, you know, being <laughs> being an artist is not so much about the uh, challenges that are out there. It's more along the lines of the challenges that you have within yourself when you are looking at out there and uh, a lot of perceptions that there are in the world of what an artist is supposed to be and what an artist is supposed to not be. So this is going to be this is going to be interesting. So why don't we get right into it? Um, and before we get right into it, I want to just announce that we have our amazing Rogue Artist family here with us. Uh, so if you hear us reading comments, that's who we're reading comments from. Definitely. Because, you know. They're, they're awesome. They're awesome. And they always add so much to these live streams. So let's, yeah, let's get into it. Let's start off with uh, what Zara says here. Lie. That I can't do something. Boom. Yeah, that mm-hmm. is that is a great that that is one of those lies that pops up. And usually that lie I feel is based on the idea that like, you know, okay, so I'm gonna get into like the psychology here. You get into school, you get into li- you get into life, you basically are born, and then you have people in your life that are older than you and supposedly wiser. And they pretty much tell you what you can and cannot do, what you're capable of and what you're not capable of. Mm -hmm. And I think throughout our lives, we kind of hold on to a lot of that stuff, you know. And there's all these weird perceptions out there of like what it means to do stuff, right? What it it takes to do stuff, uh, what it means to be an artist, for example. So one of the first ones that I have on here is I'm not talented enough, right? Right. How many times have I heard somebody say, I'm not talented enough? They get this idea that you are naturally talented. In fact, anytime that I talk about this, people will argue with me about the idea that talent is uh, innate. Like you got it or you don't got it. Yeah. Right. And the truth is that like, which one came first, the chicken or the egg, you know, kind of thing. I know for a fact that I am talented at art because I, for whatever reason, took an early liking to creating stuff. I was very quiet, very shy, and I didn't like playing sports, so sports wasn't my art. My art form was being alone and sketching in a notebook and drawing and creating things, just basically whatever whatever I had to be able to create stuff. Uh, One of the other things that I was talented at was creating scenarios and stories. I would play with my G.I. Joes or whatever kind of animals that I had around me, and I would create elaborate stories. Mm -hmm. Those are two things that I've been doing since the age of, you know, where I realized that I am a sentient being. Self-awareness. Yeah, since the age of self-awareness. I, uh, I've i been doing that. I've been creating art and creating stories and creating different things like that. So, like, obviously, years and years of practice before you get into that age, you know, where you're a teenager, and then the people around you really start asking you, like, well, what are you going to do with your life? You know, it's mm-hmm. like you already have a decade or over a decade worth of practice 
at doing this thing. at this thing that you love. So if we replace the word talent with inclination, I have an inclination towards something. Yeah. I have an interest in it. Well, let's talk about little savant children for a second because it's easy to look at a kid who's well ahead of people that are well older than them at something. Right. And I think really, like, I think you can definitely early on have an aptitude for something, but I think in the case of savant children, like kids who can play every instrument seemingly, uh, you know, magically, right? I think what happens is that a kid has an interest in a thing and an aptitude for it, and nobody stopped them. Yeah. In fact, I would say that in the, a lot of those cases, the the adults, their their parents, right, or the adults around them, um, fostered that and and leaned into it with them. Either they fostered it or they left them alone. Right. I I think about that because like very very early on, I want to say that I was about five years old. I had a small Casio piano, and I started listen you know playing with it got very familiar with the keys and whenever i would hear a song i would try and play that song i would spend hours mm -hmm. on this casio piano playing the songs that i could hear and you know at the time i remember the idea of me when i got older i and i love playing piano never did it formally but at the at one point in time in my life, they were like, that's ridiculous, put that away. And so, like, even though I loved music, I stepped away from music because I was surrounded by a lot of naysayers. Mm -hmm. And there wasn't, you know, it was easier to get a pen and paper than to get another Casio piano once, sure. once it disappeared. So I think a lot of that does come down to that fostering, does come down to what are the materials that are available to you as you're growing up? Yeah, I mean, so some of that kind of same scenario worked in my favor as a kid. I was like you, but instead of piano, it was singing. And it didn't cost my parents a lot to get me a little hot pink boom box. Right. So I had my little hot pink boom box. And then when it came to like school age, um, I was still very interested in music, and it turns out that your voice is the most inexpensive instrument you can be working with because it's built in. So my parents were like, instead of us getting you an instrument that you may or may not continue to play, why don't you be in chorus? And so I did, and so um, the inclination kept leaning into doing that. Um, and, and so the skill was developed because the interest was there from an early time. But I would say for most of my life, I sang really badly until I sang less badly and less badly yeah. and then kind of goodly and then somewhat goodly and then more goodly. And that's, that's the <laughs> truth of it. Like you're going to be terrible at what you do when you first start it. Like no one, no one has innate talent where they go to a pen and pencil for the first time in their life and like it you know it, it's a perfect photorealistic rendition of something like that it just doesn't happen and so my biggest argument there is like it is kind of like what Sarah says here it's perseverance mm -hmm. you know the only thing is that we don't count for some reason as adults we don't count the ages as you're developing you know in life and why you gravitate obviously the better that you get at something the more you gravitate towards it and i think that that's i i can honestly say the reason i love doing art 
is because I was so terrible at it and then got better and better and better over the years. I mean, that's kind of the thrill of the process, actually, is to become better and stronger at it so that you can express yourself more fully. Aurora says, got to make lots of bad stuff to learn to make the good stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, bad is relative, no matter what. Totally. I would even say if, if we could... Um, if we had, if we came out the gate having mastered the skill and we could produce whatever we wanted to the skill level that we wanted with zero effort, would it even be worth the pursuit? Right. Because then everybody would be doing it. Like the striving would be like a moot point. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like when you think about that, like do the comparison. Okay, what is something that, uh, you know, most people do? Most people walk around. Most people know how to sit, right? We don't sit there and, you know, strive to sit. They don't give out awards for sitting. No, they don't give out uh, <laughs> awards for sitting. At least not that I sitting. know of. <laughs> I mean, it'd be great if there were awards for sitting. <laughs> or sleeping. Or sleeping. Oh, man. The, the sleeping the awards. The sleeping awards. Yeah. Lady K said, I had something similar with concert choir in high school. People thought it wasn't a valid career choice, so I learned about computers and art instead. Yeah, isn't it weird? Like, all these people around you have all these perspectives. And really, that's where the whole idea of talent comes from. I can't, I cannot even explain how many times somebody's come to me as like, oh, I wish I was as talented as you. And that's fine. I take that as a compliment. But at the same time, I'm like, dude, it's a lot of, you know, you you can do this. You just have to put in the time totally. to I, do it. I really don't consider myself to be talented. I consider myself to be dogged. Yes. I like that. <laughs> I like that a lot. Yeah. Uh, the second one that I have here for lies that artists tell themselves is that I need to suffer for my art. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is one that comes from like the old school starving artist rendition. We have this very uh, fantasy realm idea of what an artist is, right? They're like this disheveled um loner super bohemian super bohemian nobody understands them um and they're always suffering they're always suffering yeah, and suffering takes so many forms right shabby living quarters on the verge of collapsing from hunger um even even i've heard people say you know like when you dress a certain way that you're suffering for your art yeah <laughs> it can it can take on many forms it does or it means you're uh, awake all night because you're plagued by your ideas right lady k says you're not a good artist until you lose an ear <laughs> uh uh Zara says, self-discovery is finding self-expression, your uniqueness, your preferences. Yeah. And it's, it's all, it's all a journey. That's why when it comes to talent, like talent is just finding your voice, really Mm -hmm. being confident enough to put something out there that, you know, there's a possibility that a bunch of other people aren't going to like it. And that's the truth. Like somebody could look at any artist and say wow they're really talented and someone else will look at that same artist and say like oh they've got no talent mm-hmm. you know so like it's not really measurable it's not a measurable indicator of of whether or not you feel within yourself that you're succeeding here's an interesting um comment from Ginny my lies 
are that I thought if I was good at something or if it was easy for me to do, then it wasn't something I should do. Like if it wasn't a struggle, then it wasn't legitimate. Boom. How interesting is that, right? That's so good. That totally puts a, a new lens on suffering for your art, right? Like it should be hard. And if it does come easy for you, then it's not a worthwhile pursuit. Yeah. And... The the reality is that really the opposite is true. The things that come naturally to you probably are the things that you should lean into, right? But we we are kind of trained in this mentality of like, it should be hard, especially if you're going to earn money with it. Yeah. It, the moment that money gets involved, it needs to be hard. You need to suffer. It needs to suck. In fact, I would argue that we sometimes make things harder than they need to be just to justify the fact that we're doing it. I know that we do. That's one of the warnings that I give artists. Like, sure, you're going to get started on this thing and you're going to do this this thing. And let's say you want to support yourself. Well, understand that you are fully going to try and turn this into a suffering scenario Mm -hmm. because that's what we're used to. We're used to like, you know, it's very rare that somebody finds a job that they actually that they feel like they're making a difference and that they enjoy. For the most part, we take a job because we need the money or we need the insurance or we need whatever it is. And so, like, it's almost like, let me suffer for these hours during the day and then, you know, I'm off and then I could do this other thing that I love to do. And and essentially, people are kind of trained that way. Like, if you're going to involve money, it's got to be difficult. Right. Uh, Zara said, oh, my God, the justification cycle. It's got to be hard for me to get paid. No, no. No, no. Yeah. On hand said, my art needs to support me in the style to which I have grown accustomed. Yeah, that's, you know, that's one of those things that like, it's, it's understanding that you are going to create art and thus your art becomes a lifestyle. And that's one of the reasons that I, that we say that, that like, you know, being an artist is a lifestyle. It's not a job. It's not a job Mm -hmm. because it's not, you know, if you're expecting to get a regular paycheck, Every week or every month, um, that's that's not in our career. It just isn't. I mean, it's really to be expected that if you are transitioning from the corporate world or even corporate side hustle into full-time art career, things are going to change for you. The level to which they change is really up to you, but it is a transition. That is an interesting comment on hand because I've, I people don't usually say that directly, but they imply it. Yeah. Um, and so much as like, I want to do this thing, but I also don't want to give up any of the comforts of which I'm accustomed that I, that I suffer for at my corporate job. Yeah. Um, and, and sometimes it is a trade-off, right? Like sometimes you do need to temporarily give things up, um, financially speaking. Um, is the trade-off worth it? That's up to you. Like for me, yeah, definitely. But I think I'm going to go through this list real quick and then we could kind of discuss all of them because we're going to jump back and forth here. The rogues have some really great uh, comments. Mm, so mm-hmm. one of the one of the other lies, uh, the, the other lie that's there is I need to wait for inspiration to strike. Mm-hmm. Big fat lie. Yeah. Um, I must create perfection. It must be perfection. Right. That is uh, right up there with the need to suffer for my art thing. Right. Perfection is one of those words that's like, what the hell does that even mean? What is what is perfect and what is imperfect? Yeah. Right? It basically, it just is, do you like it? Um, I have to follow the rules. Art has zero rules, you guys. I don't care who you are, 
what you're going to come at me with, art has no rules. Uh, I need fancy materials to create good art. I've heard this a lot, right? (laughs) This is one of those things where it's like you wait around to get the materials, the fancy materials that you need before you create something. This this lie is one of my Achilles heels, honestly. Yeah. Um, I'm not a quote-unquote real artist. That's one that people have told themselves because they're waiting around for validation. They're waiting around for it. So you're creating art. That makes you an artist automatically. Like... It doesn't matter if you're showing it, you're not showing it, you're an artist. Whatever it is that you're creating with your own two hands, you're an artist. Right? It's funny because people do that and yet you can call somebody like that mechanic is an artist. Every time I bring my car in, he does this thing. That woodworker is an artist. And yet people want to separate all these labels like, well, that's not artist and that's not art and that's not art. Um, the other thing is, I'll never make a living from my art. Absolute and complete bullshit. That is a lie that is out there. You can make a living from your art. It's just going to take some work. It's mm-hmm. going to, it's, it's starting a business. Uh, my art should please everyone. Impossible. Yeah. If you're, if you're telling yourself that lie, guess what? You're going to, you're going to, you're in for some hard times because some people are going to effing hate your art or just simply not give a boop about your art yeah um i can't share my work until it's perfect impossible bullshit (laughs) just start sharing your work a lot of people the, the other part of that lie is like i can't share my work until i have a substantial body of work it's fucking just get started just get started share your shit um i'm too old or too young no, enough said whatever there. yeah like i'm not even gonna go into that that's just stupid and ridiculous i must follow trends to be relevant fuck trends don't follow trends be a trendsetter not a trend follower mm-hmm. um that's be yourself be authentic if if you're following trends that means that you're just jumping on what's popular and that is going to pull you in way too many directions i'm not original everything has already been done. Oh boy, is that one a pervasive lie? Yeah, that is. Everything might have been done, but everything that you've created has not been done. Everything that you create, no matter how close it is to something else that already exists, is unique and original. It, the opposite is true, actually. It's impossible to recreate something that's already been done. Everything that ever comes out is different in some way. Exactly. I must have formal art education to succeed. I've heard this one. Uh, you know, it's funny, too, because I've heard the opposite of it as well. Like, because I have formal education, I'm not going to succeed because I'm not as divergent as other, you know, self-taught artists. It's funny how you have two sides of that coin. None of that is true. You don't have to you don't have to have formal education and you don't have to not have formal education. Mm-hmm. You just have to create art and put it out there and start your business. Um, the other one is I can't handle criticism. I've heard that a lot. Some people don't want to put their artwork out there because they think they can't handle criticism. Mm-hmm. And Everyone can handle criticism. Yeah, and the truth is that criticism will hurt more at first, and then later on you you realize that you're not that worried about it. Art is a solitary pursuit. No. 
doesn't have to be. No, no, it's not. You know what? If you are, if you're taking that time for yourself and you're creating stuff, it is solitary creating art. Mm -hmm. However, everything else that comes with being an artist, like doing art shows, putting your stuff out there is extremely social, extremely social. So it's, it's two sides of that coin, which I really enjoy. I enjoy my alone time. I enjoy spending my time in the studio creating, but I also love getting out there and showing my art and having conversations with people that, you know, uh, that revolve around my art and life and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, my art should always be deep and meaningful. No, no, your art, no matter what you create it on some level, it's going to automatically be deep and meaningful to you, even if you don't know that it is, because the fact is, if you're creating what you want to create, what you love to create, then you're creating stuff for sometimes deeper psychological reasons than you think. Like, what's the reason that one person is going to create sports cars, right? Beautiful paintings of sports cars. And I don't, I have no interest in that, right? That's all very deep within me and within that person and how they walked in their shoes. So you don't have to set out to create something deep and meaningful. Anything you do is going to be that way. I need a huge following to be successful. Bullshit. We had, we were successful as artists. We were able to pay our bills before we even approached the internet. Mm -hmm. You just gotta, you just gotta put yourself out there. Just gotta put yourself out there. And art is only about self-expression. This one is one of those that gets misunderstood. Like art is about self-expression. You're expressing yourself, but you have no control over how someone else is going to interpret the work. So really it's just about communication. You're saying one thing with the art. The other person is saying something else when they look at your art. Most definitely. And those are, those are the lies that we have written down. Now let's, let's have, let's chat about these things and see where we're at with the rogues. Cause I know that they've been sharing some really awesome stuff. So on hand was like, I was mostly joking about the lifestyle, accommodating the lifestyle, but I recognize that I will need multiple streams of income, but they'll all be around creating my art. Absolutely. Yeah. So it is absolutely possible to maintain your lifestyle and build those streams of income as you go. Uh, Jenny said, isn't that like corporate work? When people see you doing something easily or cheerfully, then you aren't working hard or taking yeah, it seriously. Exactly. Exactly. And that's the thing. Like a lot of the mentality in the world, uh, when it comes to stuff, we leave the regular, regular, the normal world, right. And get into this art thing. And we still have a lot of these subconscious ideas on what it means to work. Right. So, it's almost like one of the things that I'm dealing with uh, when it comes to the art career and all the stuff that we do is that I tend to fill in the gaps with work, right? Because I have to be working hard in order to justify why I'm making money. Mm -hmm. Now, we all know for a fact that that's not reality. That's not how it works. There's plenty of people out there that don't worry about working hard and they make plenty of money. So it's it's all about the mindset and not turning this thing that you love to do into that kind of work, having that corporate mentality. It's and getting rid of that. That's kind of a lifelong, career-long journey because I feel like no matter what stage you're in, that's a trap that you can fall into at any time. So you have to kind of be vigilant. 
with yourself. Lady K said, I'm still waiting for the inspiration to pull up with my art delivery. <laughs> That's hilarious. One of my favorite quotes, and I can't remember who said it, and I'm going to butcher it, but it was, I'm going to paraphrase here. They basically said, like, when the muse arrives in my studio, let the muse find me with tools in hand, meaning... I'm not just going to wait for inspiration to strike. I'm going to sit down in my workspace with tools in hand, and that's when the muse is going to flow. And I find that to be very, very true. Yeah. Um, it's not going to happen for me. S- look, sometimes I pluck things out of the ether, and I'm, and then I run to my workstation to get the idea down. But most of the time, I'm already sitting at my workstation, whether it's the music desk or the jewelry desk. Um, with tools in hand, noodling with something when inspiration strikes. So yeah. I think that having a creative regimen that works for you, and it's whatever works for you, right? It doesn't have to be daily, but for us it's daily. Yeah. Um, I think that your chances of, of coming across something that's amazing... Uh, are are way way heightened if you're if you're actively pursuing it. I mean that's the thing. You have to be in the space to actively pursue the inspiration. If you're not giving yourself that time to be in there, then inspiration might strike and it just flies away. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's always it's giving yourself the ability to. Even if you're not in the studio, to be able to jot down or sketch ideas, like have some kind of method to capture those moments of inspiration. And if you're not feeling inspired, just get in there and, and get started on something, anything, you know. Do and, a macaroni collage. Yeah, and that's that's what matters. Like Aurora says, my writing goes faster when I give myself permission to suck at the first draft. Editing is where the magic happens. And mm-hmm. that's the same thing. Like when you get something started, if you're too much stuck in your head, worried about like, you know, I must create perfection. You know, real artists do this perfect on the first draft. And the truth is that all art, all art, music, writing, uh, painting, jewelry creation, sculpture, uh, all of it is a series of course corrections. And the only way that you could really know where the destination is, is if you give yourself an idea of where you're going by starting something crappy, crappy. And Absolutely. Then getting rid of the stuff that's not working and adding some stuff that is working and, you know, changing direction and pivoting and deciding to go a completely different direction with your stuff in the process of creation. That's that's the beauty of, of being an artist and, and creating is understanding that, like, if you already know step A through step Z, then the journey is boring. It's already laid out for you. Totally. This goes hand in hand with one of the biggest lies of all time. Here it is. I'm dropping it. I could never do that. I could never do this that. Is a, I want to unpack this for a second. If you have said that, it means that you've noticed something enough that it's caught your attention, which means it is something that you secretly would be interested in doing. And then it means that you don't think you have the capability. If I had a nickel for every time I heard somebody say, I could never do that, I could never do what you do, or gosh, I would love to do that, but I just don't have the mind for it. I will tell you this right now. I have built my career on doing stuff that I thought I could never do. Like, All of it, pretty much. And if there's something that you find yourself saying, like, that's awesome, but I can never do that, it's probably something you should do. (laughs) 
I agree. Because I think we know what we want to do, and I think we know what we need to do, and 99.99% of it is stuff that we're scared to do, and we tell ourselves that I could never do that, and it's those things that you should do. Yeah, exactly. You should just jump right into it. And that's, that's you know, Clea has said famously that I just jump right into something. Whenever I hear myself say that I can't do something, I go right into it. Mm-hmm. You know, just face first. I don't even I don't even care. And I know full well that I'm going to get it wrong. I'm going to get it wrong. I'm going to screw it up. And but I also know that eventually, no matter how long it takes, eventually I'm going to find my way. Mm-hmm. And that right there, that is that is our our career. You know? Totally. And so I think um, jumping back to what Jenny said about leaning into what comes naturally to you and what you enjoy and then taking those opportunities to grow in the form of like, oh, I just felt myself think that I can't do that. And so I should probably do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I Maybe that's the secret sauce right there. If we could crystallize it down into a thing. It is. Perfection means multiple Iterations. iterations get out there to perfect it i mean it it is and multiple iterations of things that's that's having fun with something that you just got excited about creating and doing different different things you know whenever i set out to do like a new series or something like that it ends up being multiple iterations and then you have new series come up and it's because i don't know whether or not i'm going to do it or how i'm going to do it Right. And I just get started. I just get started. The song that we just released uh, had 58 bounces, meaning I exported that song 58 times before we got it how we wanted it. In other words, it was 58 failures before we got to the to the, the final the final one. That's yeah. a lot of exporting for one song, but that's how it goes, right? Yeah. And that's the thing, it's like somebody could see it as I can't do this, it's not working, you know, and you went through those bouts. Oh yeah, I went into the pits of despair. All, all the lies, all the lies that artists tell themselves. You go into that pit of despair, it's like I don't think I could do this, I don't think I have the capability, I don't know enough, mm-hmm. I blank blank blank. And it was like just just do it. Just keep doing it. You'll I wanted I wanted to touch on um, two of these, right? My art should always be deep and meaningful, and art is only about self-expression. I read something this morning that I thought was pretty cool, and it was specifically about songwriting, but I think it applies to art in general. And it was kind of um, it was kind of saying like if you if you are so internal as far as your own narrative that it's kind of abstract. Meaning, like, it's really very impossible for other humans to relate to it. Um, They're not going to lock into it as much as if it's a little more straightforward. And so it was kind of a challenge to take your very cerebral, abstract um, ways of expressing and sort of think about how another human might process that information and it was sort of giving permission to be a little more general to not have to tell it exactly how it happened but to tell the emotional story and to use the imagery to bring that to life because people don't really care so much about what you meant 
as much as they care what they think it means to them. Exactly. And there is a balance there because what you meant is obviously important, you as the artist, but ultimately the onlooker or the listener or the wearer or the observer of it is going to care mostly about what it does for them. Yep. And it was neat because it did give permission to be like, um, you know, elaborate in ways that are fictitious if they have an emotional power behind them. Um, in the songwriting world, it even went so far as to say, like, um, melody is more important than lyrics because the melody is what hooks a person. The lyrics are what keep them there. But all those elements work in conjunction. A lot of my favorite songs aren't, like, deep. <laughs> no. But they resonate with me in some kind of way. A lot of my favorite songs are not deep. It's like... I like big butts and I cannot lie. I mean, you There's can't, that one. that's, that's a deep song. That um, is a deep song. Yeah. And so, you know, the, the agony end of it, um, and the very cerebral, like no one's going to get this, but me and like, we've all been there and like that, that art has its place too. And it's valuable in it's so many ways, but it doesn't mean that it's cheapened if it's accessible to people. I think that's the point I'm trying to make accessible doesn't mean it doesn't have value. Um, and that's a thing that art snobs sometimes have a hard time with. And I can say as a as a recovered art snob, yeah. music snob, accessible doesn't mean you sold out. Accessible doesn't mean you didn't put thought into it. Um, and accessible is a relative term also. Let's be real. Let's be real. Anybody that is an art snob, a music snob, a snob in general, when it comes to um, other people's creations, it has nothing to do with those creations. It has everything to do with the fact that they themselves are not doing shit with their creativity. Mm -hmm. And it's the, the only time that you have time to point a finger and criticize someone else's works is when you yourself are not doing anything. And I know that because I was that way when I was in corporate and I wanted to be an artist. Of course, I was super critical. Oh, well, look at that art. Like, that's not going to, you know, it's amazing that that's popular. Oh, and I was totally like just a complete jerkwad. But that wasn't it had nothing to do with the art or the artist. They were putting themselves out there. I was just jealous and trying to make myself feel better by putting something down so when you're a snob that's the case you come up with all these like oh well i read this somewhere and this is what real art is <laughs> and it's like no that's it's complete bullshit you're not speaking from experience because you're not actually in the arena putting yourself out there and that was a lesson that i learned early on because you know a lot of these like i'm not a real artist you know oh there's rules that you got to follow and all that stuff you're going to you're going to come up with against those until you start to realize like oh this is all made up it's mm -hmm. all made up bullshit like it's none of it, it like there are no there are no rules there there really are no rules when it comes to being an artist no i mean follow the laws right if your art requires you to punch random strangers in the face you should probably rethink your art <laughs> Follow the laws, <laughs> but break the rules. Susan said, I would add airbrushing is art and so is pencil. Yeah, I mean, all of it. All of it, Susan. When I when I say art, I mean any act of creation. Any act of creation is art. 
Zara said, haha, how many times did I get the lyrics wrong in a song, right? And how many times did you have the lyrics wrong? And then when you discovered the actual lyrics, you were like, I like mine better. And yeah. you just kept it that way because it means a thing to you. So many times. So I have, many times. I have plenty of songs that are like that. Shrey says, failure when done correctly is an opportunity to grow and get better. Yeah, absolutely. And failure is just, you know, failure is just a work in progress. It's, again, course correction. Mm -hmm. Like, you, you fail at something, and let's call it failure, and it just doesn't work out. It's kind of like the songs. Like, we had so many failures before we landed on something that we were happy with. And I could have noodled around with that song until the end of my life. And had uh, um, 100,058 bounces. Yeah. But at some Thank point... Thank God you did it. <laughs> at some point, you call it good enough, and you put it out there for the world to experience. Yeah, because it's just one of many creations that you're going to create, right? So, like, that idea of perfection is just a complete... It's, it's just a waste of time, because, like, everybody thinks, like, I'm going to create this thing... And then I'm going to put it out there and everyone in the world is going to look at it, right? And I got to make sure that everybody loves it. And here's the truth. Here's the reality. You create this thing. You put it out there. A few people are like, oh, I love it. A few people get all quiet and don't say anything. And then life goes on. And now your awesome creation that you struggled with, right, for years because you wanted to make sure that you released the perfect one is now off in the background, floating away and you better get started on this new thing if you wish to avoid existential misery you will get started on the next thing yeah that's um, that's reality i want to talk about criticism for a second especially in the form of people not saying anything because sometimes it's easier to take flat out criticism than for people that you respect to say nothing yeah. When you put artwork out there. This is one that I actually still struggle with to this day. When it's crickets, like you like you just put a thing out there and it's crickets, um, that can be really hard. It can feel like it just doesn't matter at all. And the truth is that nothing could be further from the truth because um, people are living their lives. And sometimes people are too shy to tell you what they think or they're busy or they don't think you care to hear what they think. Yeah, It's funny because a lot of artists get bent out of shape about feedback, unsolicited feedback. And then some of us get bent out of shape about lack of it. Yeah. <laughs> I think I and I think that there's two sides to that. Like, you know, it's like I want I want feedback because I'm not hearing anything. And I wish people wouldn't give me so much feedback. Yeah. You know, and it's. It's interesting because they're both pervasive to that lie, right? So you go do a show or you put something out there and you get crickets and immediately the first lie you tell yourself is people didn't like it. This is the right. You right. try you try to analyze what went wrong. And most likely what went wrong was that you suck. Your art sucks. Everything you do sucks. And you, you know, should that's, just quit. Yeah. You should just quit. And the reality of it is you put it out there once. And then you put it out there again. Anybody that follows me knows that I am going to post the same thing over and over and over and over if I'm excited about it, mm -hmm. right? The only time that I don't is if I'm like, I don't want to bother anyone, 
Right. And the idea there is like, I don't want to bother anyone because like nobody really likes what I put out there. And I'm just like, hey, look at look at this thing that I did. Look at this thing that I did. And I'm like, fucking get out there and tell people what it is that you're doing. Mm -hmm. Right. And some people aren't going to like it. Great. You know what? If it's on social media or anywhere else, go ahead and unsubscribe, unfollow me, do whatever it is that you're going to do. If you don't like it, I don't even care. But if you do like what I am showing you, then you know, this gives you multiple opportunities to be able to say, oh, I like it or thumbs up it or something. Right. And even then, that's not what I'm looking for. I just I want to share it as much as possible because I'm excited about it. And I do want other people to see it. However, I have no control over that. You just totally. don't. Lady K said we should not partake in mind reading, assuming what others think. It never helps. It, it never, never helps. helps. No. <laughs> Unhand said it's not failure if you learned and tried something different. It could be exhausting and annoying, but it's also not a failure. And if you give up, then it's failure. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why you just don't give up. It's Failure is like... I don't know. You know, I think when it comes down to it, like a lot of people try, I've seen YouTube channels where they talk about, I tried this thing. I'm warning you now, avoid this because it leads to failure. Right. And when I watch those kind of things, right, because they're out there, they're giving their opinion, right? And they're, Mm -hmm. they're, like I know about this stuff. I'm um, an expert. Maybe they're trying to help you, and, then, and maybe, maybe it's just clickbait. Yeah, maybe they're trying to help you. But at the same time, whenever I watch videos like that, I'm like, you tried it once. Like yeah. really, you're gonna give me this advice after you tried it one time? Like, like those videos where people are like, I never do art shows. I did an art show once, and this is what happened, and this is what happens at art shows. And I'm like, fucking bullshit. Like, that's not what happens at art yeah. shows. That Holler- happened at that one art show. <laughs> Holler at us after you've done a thousand art shows. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Aurora said, snobbery abounds no matter the art form. Yeah, yeah. And it's it, snobbery is, like I said before, it's all insecurity. Yeah. It's all insecurity. It absolutely is. And when I was an art snob, I was hella insecure. And yep. that's what it was. It's true. Zara said, yes, you get in the arena is where the real party is at. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. We're in the arena. We're, you know, putting our stuff out there. We're dealing with all these lies and insecurities that we tell ourselves and actually facing them. And that's a big part of, I would say that that's the major part of being an artist, right? You run into some financial troubles. It's like, this is, I'm never going to be able to make money with my art. Fucking bullshit. What do you mean you're never going to make money with your art? That's ridiculous to even make that statement. Of course you can make money with your art. You're going to have to pivot and change some stuff. You know, you're going to have to change your approach. How much are you putting yourself out there? What what are you doing to get attention for what you're creating? What kind of feedback are you getting back? Like, essentially, it all comes down to these lies that you tell yourself are your excuse to not pursue the thing. Absolutely. Zara said, fake perfection is the lie we tell ourselves to try and get away with procrastination. Could be a trauma response, but relief lies just past getting over it and getting yourself out there. That's really well said, Zara. Yeah. I mean, think about think about the stuff that think about the stuff that we do, right? That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. I know so many people, and I've been guilty of this in the past, where Maybe there's financial problems, right? 
and you have a little bit of money and instead of doing, you know, paying the bill or doing whatever you would do to try and to remedy, re- to remedy the financial thing, you take that money and you're like, I'm going to blow it on something. Yeah. Oh, I've known plenty <clears throat> of people that have done it because it's temporary relief. Yeah. Um, it's temporary relief. So are these lies. If you are struggling, right, it is easier for you to quit if you tell yourself, well, I, I'm just not talented enough, you know, or, well, people that are that you need to suffer for your art. Like, I don't want to suffer. Mm-hmm. Um, I just haven't been able to create anything because, you know, you got to wait around for inspiration to strike. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of that stuff is just a bunch of blah, blah, blah. Bull garbage. Bull garbage. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. All of these are an exit strategy. Um, they're the easy out from doing what you want to do. Lady K said, don't let perfect be the enemy of great or good enough. Yeah. That's, I, every time I finish a painting, I exclaim loudly in the studio where Klee could hear me, good enough. It's good enough. Good enough. That's where I get to, because if not, I'm never going to stop working on the piece. When it gets to a place where it's good enough, I am good with it. It is good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the next day I might come in and do like a little tweak here and there. It's it's really nice because once you relieve the pressure and you're like, good enough, it's done. And then when you see something where you're like, oh, let me just change that one thing. The, the changes are different. They're minute and they're just you're just kind of improving upon good enough. And then after that, then you're like good enough. And then you walk away and. You know, usually for me, the end of it is when I varnish a piece because after I'm done varnishing it, I'm like, it's done. <laughs> like, I'm not touching it Yeah, anymore. that's like final polish for yeah. me. Lady K said, we need these lies on a piece of paper and tack it in our workspace. So if those cognitive distortions show up, look to the page and remind you that it's a lie. Yeah. Yeah, I actually want to work on a series of posters. I want to create some artist posters that have the lie and then the... The opposite, the the reality, the lie, and then the truth on it, and uh, the red pill and the blue pill. The red pill and the blue <laughs> pill. Very good. I like that. Yeah, um, uh, Zara said, mm, "I love it when it's done. Good enough for sure." Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lady K, uh, I'm sorry, not Lady K. Aurora said, promotion is the hardest part for me. Most ways to advertise books cost tons more money than I have to work with. It's frustrating. Aurora, um, that's one of those things that like, you know, with my books, yeah, you have the typical way of promoting yourself, but you got to get creative with your promotion. A lot of the promotion that, you know, we've done, it's like, you know, going to book fairs, going to local uh small local places and doing book signings mm-hmm. um just being excited posting about your book and being excited about the book and new series and stuff like that starting a a new a newsletter or a blog where Hugely you effective. give people the opportunity to sign up that way whenever you're releasing something you know but it, it's like anything else you can go the route where you're doing uh expensive promotion right because you could do that where you pay for all this stuff or you could find scrappy ways to promote what you're doing. And that's true of books, songs, visual art, really anything 
you know, like, yes, you can go the paid routes and yes, they are expensive and you're going to get a mixed bag of results most of the time. Or you can do it little by little, put the word out there yourself, know that it is going to take longer, but it's going to be more satisfying in the end and not as expensive. Yeah. Um, And so that's why we've chosen to do everything we do grassroots. I mean, the way that we approach things is it takes one, right? So little Mm -hmm. by little, you just, you know, as if you reach, if you do a thing and it doesn't cost you any money or you do a thing, and even if it costs you maybe like 20 bucks and you reach one person and that person is going to follow you for your lifetime, then it's absolutely worth it. Mm -hmm. And that's the way that we we've done it is little by little over the years. You know, that's, that's really the way that you build this thing up is one person at a time. Word of mouth remains the most powerful form of advertising in human history. It really is. It it, word of mouth (laughs) is the main, you know, honestly, all the other methods is based on trying to get word of mouth out there. Yeah, they are. And it just, you, you can do that in a very, very scrappy way. You can, because, nothing beats a human telling another human that they enjoyed a thing and recommending that that human check it out. That's what everyone is spending all their millions of dollars, advertising dollars, on getting to happen. Whether you are small and you don't have a million dollars or you are spending millions of dollars, word of mouth is super powerful and it really only does take one. Yeah, and that's the thing. Just creating a book, putting it out there, right, and having, you know, like with you, you have book series. I have book series, right? So I have three books out there. When I put my new books out there, I promoted those books, right? But also mostly the first one because you've got books in a series. And, you know, my best way of promoting myself when it comes to the books that I create is to write a book and put it out there. Because Unless I have something to show, I've got nothing to talk about, nothing to promote. Mm-hmm. So I could I could give teasers and be like, I'm working, you know, like right now I'm working on a book. Um, but that's, you know, that's only going to get you so far. There's nothing tangible that somebody could actually invest some of their money into in what I'm doing. So really, it's just the, the matter of creating books, putting them out there, creating books, putting them out there. We have a friend who's, um, has quite a successful, um, career right now as an author. And he, during on season, right. The nice months where you can go out and do, he's doing a book fair or a book event every weekend. He's sending out a blog, um, when he's busy once a month, uh, sometimes more than that. He's constantly keeping people in the loop with what's going on and, um, you and know. Entering that's... book competitions. Mm-hmm. I love getting Corey's blog and he's, you know, out there. He just won an award for a screenplay that he wrote. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing. He's creating the content. He's creating the stuff and sharing it and putting it out there. He also, you know, does, he'll do TikTok videos. He loves Lord of the Rings. So he does videos talking about Lord of the Rings. So it's like. Finding the things that you enjoy and sharing them out there, meanwhile sharing the stuff that you do. And that's really, it's just finding ways to do it in a fun way where it's not work. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, you could pay a lot of money for that marketing, but how fun is that? Yeah, and I mean, you can do it that way. We also know people that just, they throw a bunch of money at advertising for their thing. And and it and it does work for a time. Um, but... Yeah, that's kind of like... I mean, if you have disposable income 
to throw at a thing, then great. Do it. If you but... don't, then get scrappy about it and have more fun. Yeah. Unhand said, a dear friend showed me that perfectionism and lies we tell ourselves are just trying to gain control over things that scare us. Once we start, the scary things tend to vanish. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of the reasons that um, we do, everything we talk about is that. Like, you got to do it. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm just telling you my experience of doing it several times and being like, you know, it's not that scary. And that's why I constantly say that doing the thing is the therapy for fear of doing the thing. Exactly. Yeah. Let's say that again. Say it slowly. Doing the thing is the therapy for fear of doing the thing. All right. So all of you guys write that down and put it somewhere prominent. It's called exposure therapy in the psychology world, but I like the way I say it better because exposure therapy sounds kind of harsh. Lady K (laughs) said, all of my effort for ads and such, most of my commissions have come from one person telling another person about my work with me without, without me, around. me around. Apparently I made a good impression. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I don't I don't I have never paid for ads for my artwork. It's ridiculous. There's no reason for me to do it. Who am I gonna promote to? People that buy Rafi art? Like there there just isn't I can't pick that on Facebook. Right? Who are the Rafi art collectors? Like I can't do that. Even if I promote it on my page, then it's it's just spammy. I'd rather just Post something when I'm excited about it and let people find it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's basically it. Love it. Doing the thing that needs to be on a T-shirt. Doing the thing is the therapy for doing the thing. Perhaps that should be on a T-shirt. It should be on a T-shirt. Indeed. So, I mean, at the end of the day, I would say that anything that you say to yourself, right? We had just a few on here. And obviously, we went off on a tangent on here talking about the, the book stuff. But like anything that you say to yourself, right? Or even pay attention if you're saying it to someone else. Anything that you say to yourself that is discouraging you from doing something that you know you want to do, right? In some way, shape, or form that makes you not feel capable, right? Like everything that you say should make you feel capable. That's the only thing that's going to keep you going. So if you're saying shit that doesn't make you feel capable... No matter where you heard it or whether or not you came up with it, even if it is a tra- if it is like this is what everyone around you is saying, this is what the world is saying, so it must be true. No, it's not true. It's not true. If you're saying anything that in any way diminishes who you are, then it's a lie. It's a lie. You said something to me like 15 years ago that just came into my mind, and it was... Uh, understanding that everything that we tell ourselves is made up, uh, it's neither true or false, then you can move forward by saying, is this story I'm telling myself making me feel limited or limitless? Which one is it? Right. Understanding that it's all a narrative. Um, and that really simplifies it, right? Is this lie... This thing, Me, this thing that I'm telling myself. Is this lie making me feel empowered or disempowered? Is this lie making me feel hopeful or discouraged? Even if it's a positive, right? Is this lie making me feel limitless? Yes. Well, great. Then continue to tell yourself that. Or narrative, if lie has too much context for you. Is this narrative making me feel like I can do it or like I can't do it? And evaluate your stories based on that because that's what they are. They're stories. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's that's beautifully put. Yeah, well, you said it. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Lady K's like, pythons are awesome. Indeed. I remember when I had a slight fear of snakes, so I got a snake. I love ball pythons. Yeah, <laughs> said Zara. So that's the thing. It's like whenever you have those thoughts come up in your mind, question it. Question it. And I love that. Does that make me feel limited or does it make me feel limitless? Mm -hmm. And that's essentially it. Because no matter what, you're the one telling yourself the story. You're the one speaking, even if you're saying it to someone else and you're not necessarily just saying it to yourself. Pay attention to the shit that you tell other people and you're like, yeah, you know, I really wish that I could blah, 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 blah. It's like, shut up. Don't don't say that anymore. Don't say stuff like that that is going to make you feel less than. Um, find ways to promote yourself to yourself, essentially, to promote your abilities, your awesome abilities, your ability to not know a thing and then figure out a thing, even if you fall on your face a billion times. Let like, your personal review for yourself be five out of five would recommend. If it's not, you have work to do. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I want to thank the rogues for being here. You guys are freaking I love I love you guys. This was a great conversation. Mm -hmm. And also I want to thank everybody at home. Thank you guys for listening to the podcast. And hey, if you like this podcast, uh, we have a podcast every week and you want to subscribe or follow us or whatever. I don't know what platform you're listening to us on. So there might be a follow or subscribe button. Go ahead and click on that thing. And other than that, let us be off. Indeed. Would you like to say goodbye, Clay? Good day. Adios. Adios.